1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous
2: partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Yeah, feeling pretty good about uh, the recent revelations and the mounting evidence that COVID escaped or was released from the Wuhan Virology Lab, considering how shabbily he was treated. He and Pompeo and his administration were treated when they suggested that was a possibility. It was uh, information that was to be banished from social media platforms and to be ridiculed by the D.C. press corps. Not so much anymore, it turns out. Here's uh, Trump on Fauci and uh, what he thinks the Chinese communists owe the world. But
0: generally speaking, I went the opposite way of Dr. Fauci what he was saying. For instance, Fauci said, do not close our borders to China or Europe, but I did it anyway. And months later, he said, I made the right decision and saved thousands and thousands of lives. He said it was the right decision, but he did not want to close that border. I said, wait a minute, there's a tremendous infection over there. We can't let this happen, and we closed it, and I think we saved Hundreds of thousands of lives. You remember the number was 2.2 million people in our country who were expected to die. Fauci said powerfully at the beginning, no masks. You remember that? No, masks don't work. Masks don't And then he went into masks, and then he became a radical masker. I would call (laughs) it, if you have three, if you have four, get a pair of goggles also, ideally. (laughs) And let's wear them for another five or six years, and... But Fauci has perhaps never been more wrong than when he denied the virus and where it came from. The time has come for America and the world to demand reparations and accountability from the Communist Party of China. We should all declare within one unified voice that China must pay. They must pay.
2: Former Secretary of State, NSA, Condi Rice, uh, no Trump fan, was on Face the Nation with uh, that guy, John Dickerson, who belongs in a Bazooka Joe cartoon strip. Uh, She had uh, this to say about uh, the rush to judgment by the otherwise restrained D.C. press corps. Ha ha.
3: There was too much um, of a tendency early on to dismiss this possibility of uh, a laboratory leak. And um, I think there was a lot, and I think the press bears some responsibility for this. Uh, well, it had to be um, animal-to-human transmission. These were conspiracy theories about a laboratory leak. And, in fact, uh, some of the evidence was right in front of our faces. Uh, we know that there were State Department diplomats who uh, inspected, so to speak, Uh, that laboratory and came back and said that the safety practices were substandard. Uh, when we knew that there were patients back in November that had suspicious, uh, symptoms, uh, maybe that was a time to start asking tough questions. And, uh, I think we perhaps didn't, uh, say enough about the problems of the WHO, uh, going in and allowing the Chinese to control uh, the territory uh, while they were trying to investigate. So uh, now, better late than never, I'm glad we are fully looking at this. I'm not sure we'll ever know fully the story. Uh, but putting uh, pressure on the Chinese, uh, taking this to the United Nations, raising the profile of what China needs to do to help us get this right. Because I'll tell you something, John. I was, I was actually a national security advisor when SARS hit. And it was the same problem. We knew something was happening. We couldn't get answers from the Chinese. And so if we're not going to keep repeating this problem, and this one had much more devastating consequences, uh, then uh, we're going to have to be a, a little bit more uh, aggressive with the Chinese about the need to cooperate. But I, I think we made a mistake uh, earlier on in, um, in many, many people, many officials dismissed this possibility.
4: And she talked about the State Department inspectors. Well, one was on with Leslie Stahl last night on sixty minutes. And he said it wasn't an investigation. It was a study tour. You know, they were there for four weeks, two weeks locked up in a hotel, you know because of, you know, they had to quarantine. And he said the Chinese control the Chinese government withheld information. They didn't give us any information. It was just a quick tour of the shocking lab. right. I mean, I know. That, so
2: there is no. I mean, well, Condi Rice, the important point she said there, which should there should be the takeaway, is, So uh, that's great. Good to know that the federal government and all of these longtime federal bureaucrats like Tony Fauci, they learn nothing from the SARS experience and the Chinese Mm -hmm. communists. Nothing was learned and nothing will be learned from COVID-19, at least if they're they continue to enjoy their posts. So we'll do this all again for the next pandemic.
4: Well, Beijing blamed the United States for COVID, by the way. Of course they did. and, uh, and also the they, of propaganda. They said, of yeah. course And they said they're done with the investigation not, let, not letting anybody else in that Wuhan virology lab. Speaking, That's according to 60 minutes last
2: night. Uh, speaking of uh, the evidence continuing to stack up, Stephen Quay and Richard Muller, the Sopad in The Wall Street Journal. Quay is Dr. Quay is the founder of a therapeutics company. Muller is a, a physics professor emeritus at UC Berkeley. They write. The most compelling reason to favor the lab leak hypothesis is firmly based on science. In particular, consider the genetic fingerprint of covid 2 the novel coronavirus responsible for the disease COVID-19. In gain-of-function research, a microbiologist can increase the lethality of a coronavirus enormously by splicing a special sequence into the into its genome at a prime location. Doing this leaves no trace of manipulation, but it alters the virus spike protein, rendering it easier for the virus to inject Genetic material into the victim's cell. Yeah, the like entire it tear through your body, the entire class of coronavirus that includes COVID two, the C G G C G G combination has never been found naturally. Never. That means the common method of viruses picking up new s- skills, called recombination, cannot operate here. A virus simply cannot pick up a sequence from another virus if that sequence sequence isn't present in any other virus. So following the science and data at a baseline leads you to the Wuhan Virology Lab. But it's only now that we hear from NIH Director Collins and NIAID Director Fauci. Yeah, investigation. Let's find out where the heck this thing came from more on all this and much more, pleased to be joined again by our friend Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, VP of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation and author of the uh, recently released Brutal War, Jungle Fighting in Papua New Guinea, 1942. Uh, Jim, uh, what of uh, President Trump and uh, former Secretary of State Con- uh, Condi Rice's comments?
1: Yeah, well so well that was first of all, that was I think just a PhD overview of where the debate stands. So so kudos to you guys. So the one the one piece that was missing was the censorship from social media, Mm -hmm. Facebook, Mm -hmm. Twitter, et cetera, where literally they shut down the debate and essentially cut off one of the the most important aspects of a free and open society, which is the ability to argue and debate things in public space. These these were the young men and women who, you know, when they were long haired kids with no money in their pocket, dreamed about creating a space where Americans could create and innovate and share and debate ideas, and yet they actually contributed in a in a great a great wrong to the American people which is essentially they censored a very very important and legitimate issue and you know rather than like the new york times and the washington post and every everybody else just kind of creepingly acknowledge this and you know going back and they're changing headlines and everything else i i would love to see the big companies stand up and do uh, a joint assessment investigation and explain to us why They failed us.
2: Well, you know, that would be nice. But again, where where is that pressure going to come from? The Republican Party alone doesn't seem sufficient uh, as as we know. It ought to come uh, from these companies. Well, I mean, they created these companies for the express purpose of
1: enriching our lives. They put us in jeopardy. By hiding the truth, this would be like at the outbreak of World War II if people said, well, you know, the Germans didn't start this. You know, it, you know, the polls might, you know, it was probably the polls, and we need to censor anything that says the Germans did this because you had a lobby in the United States that didn't want to go to war and didn't want the truth out. They've done a grave wrong here, and I think for, look, even from a fiduciary responsibility for wanting the people to use and trust their products, they should come clean on how they screwed up. And what they're going to do to make sure it never happens again? Mm-hmm.
2: There's a another aspect of this uh, reflection on the last year. So one is the geopolitical importance of the origins, because uh, and and you know this this by the way the one thing I don't like when Condi Rice says this you know we may never know the truth. Yeah, I, maybe, but I don't want to I don't want s- to start there. I, I want to we're we're going to find the truth. We have to find the truth because it impacts. Our understanding of China, what we should be doing in the present and what China's future role in the world is going to be going forward. And it's not just from an American perspective, obviously, because this was a global pandemic. This is from a world's perspective. So this like idea, you know, we may not be able to get it. Well, when China doesn't want to be a transparent shock, um, we should be. Focusing the world's attention on pressure, pressuring China, the WHO and all of their other appendages to uh, give us the information that we want.
1: Right. So there's there are two things that we should be doing right now. And and we should and they should be on on warp speed, much like when President Trump developed a vaccine to combat the virus to begin with. One is we need a global health surveillance network that is not dependent on China and the world health organization to alert us to the emergence of new potential pandemics. We should be putting that in place now. We're not, we're actually doing the opposite. We are doubling down on the system that failed us in SARS and failed us in COVID. That's what we're getting from this administration. The other thing we should be doing is, is we should be leading a global charge to punish China Mm -hmm. and, and we should start where, where it hurts them most, we should start with the Olympics. We should be leading a global movement that demands that the Olympics be moved, not just for the genocide, but for the incredible mass murder that they perpetrated on the world because of how they responded to the pandemic and, 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 and all the things that are demonstrably provable right now. And if we cannot move get the move the Olympics, we should be pressing for a, a global a political boycott, a global commercial boycott. Look, I don't want to punish the athletes. I mean, we tried that in yeah. in the 80 Olympics. I mean, that doesn't work. I mean, let people go, let them compete. We get all that. If they don't want to go, fine, they don't go. But, you know, why should China just get all the medals? But but there's no reason any government official from any responsible government goes. There's no reason that any – there's a commercial sponsor. Uh, there's no reason for, for, even for a commercial broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that – is the biggest in-your-face that would embarrass the Chinese right now That's true. Um, that I can think of.
4: But, I mean, Beijing, I, I had no idea up until yesterday that they blamed us for COVID-19. I had not heard that well, before.
1: <laughs> they blamed Italy. They blamed every, they blamed everybody but themselves. And they they utterly hid the truth. And you know what's really galling about this is, you know, Rice mentioned the SARS epidemic. It, because they failed so miserably to really alert and share information with the global and the SARS epi- epidemic. We put a whole rash of new World Health Organization's regulations in place to make sure that never happened again. And they violated all those, and that's why we, we, we went through the pandemic. You know, the, the, the what if of history is, take out those regulations and read them. And if the Chinese government had did everything they had signed up to do under those regulations, we would have known about this not in, you know, late January, we would known about it earlier in the fall, we would have had months, we could have shut off travel, we could have had testing in place, we would have had a several month head start on the vaccine, you would not have half a million Americans dead.
2: Well, maybe we can send a diplomatic team of LeBron James and John Cena over there. I mean, here, here's the concern that I have is that uh America is just we, we've taken the posture ever since we uh, backed them getting MFN status that, uh, you know, they're so it's such a huge market. And we're going to uh, uh, try to win them over, you know, sort of uh, a la George Will on the Cold War. The Cold War is over. The University of Chicago won it. We're going to win it, win them over with trade. And uh, now we're in a position where we haven't won them over with trade. But we're too integrated with them to walk away from the cash. That's what I fear. Right.
1: So this is, and you know, sadly, the Trump administration, I think, took a very responsible attitude towards China and says we have to protect ourselves from the malicious things the Chinese are doing. the The, um, the Biden administration is like a guy with one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat that's drifting out to to sea. They. They really don't want to take on China. They really want to go back to the old Obama way of doing things about just trying to ignore these things. But on the other hand, they know that Americans are concerned about China, so they feel like they have to do some things. But but, but it's very clear that on responsibility for determining whether it came out of a lab or was naturally occurring, that this administration doesn't want to know the answer to the question, because if they knew the answer to the question – They'd have to deal with China. Even the notion of asking for a port in 90 days. Well, w- what more is the U.S. government got? They've been studying this for over you know, a year and a half. What more are they going to know in 90 days? And, and isn't that convenient because it, goes, it pushes back beyond the deadline of all the major legislative initiatives the administration wants to push through? So it's just another example of them. Not, it's not just putting foreign policy on the back burner. It's putting foreign policy on the back burner and then turning the burner off.
2: Uh, one more um, area of concern, uh, the prospect that B.B. Uh, Netanyahu's tenure has come to an end and his former chief of staff, actually, uh, Naftali Bennett, will be replacing him in a new coalition government. I mean, as somebody who, you know, is uh, uh, from the right and has a relationship served in B.B. Uh, uh, B. B., uh, administrations, including as chief of staff, is that, does Naftali Bennett mean a significant change in posture for Israel?
1: Well, this is a, you know a great wild card. I mean, we already have the United States really going wobbly on Iran. Um, they, they they completely bungled the, the war between Israel and Hamas. Um, we, they they want to go back to fail policies. What is an Israeli government? a responsible Israeli government do. So ironically, um, you might have a government which actually makes some pretty conservative decisions simply because if if they just fold and do what the U.S. wanted, they, they would be in horrible, horrible shape.
2: Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano, VP of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation and author of the recently released Brutal War Jungle Finding in Papua New Guinea, 1942.
1: Thanks, Jim. Yeah,
2: great being with you. Thanks for listening to the Town
1: Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.
5: This is Carol platt for townhall.com. In a startling announcement, Princeton University recently declared it was eliminating any requirement the classics majors take Greek or Latin. The change was made to combat, wait for it, systemic racism. In fact, a diversity and inclusion statement on the Princeton Classics Department's site affirms its commitment to creating, quote, opportunities for the advancement of students and future colleagues from historically underrepresented backgrounds, unquote. Surely they're not implying that it will be easier to advance minority students if they eliminate the need to learn a difficult ancient language. That would be racist. In all seriousness, when bastions of elitism like Princeton allow critical race theory to overwhelm any remaining commitment to excellence, they're headed for trouble. Even the most prestigious universities can coast for only so long on past glories. If they lower their standards, it won't be long before an elite education means far less than it once did. After all, Princeton diplomas mean only as much as the quality of the graduates possessing them. I'm Carol platt Liebau.
1: The Pepperdine School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate program for leaders. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.